WTF 2050 is proudly sponsored by X Energy Solar Solutions for Tasmanian Conditions, AB Finance Ethical Mortgages and Unilux Triple Glazed Windows. You're listening to WTF 2050. What's the future? Future. 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 30 years goes like that. I wonder... We've actually shown we can do these sorts of things. Without risk, there is nothing. Hello, I'm Anna Bateman. And I'm Leanne Minchell. And this is the second series of WTF 2050. In this episode, we go into Risdon Prison, inspired by Tasmania the year Rosalie Martin, who is part of our first series. Rosalie's a speech pathologist and just all-round good egg. And last season, we talked to Rosie about her goal of having no prisons as we know them in Tasmania by 2050. I'm really looking forward to this episode because here we get to see how she's actually trying to achieve that goal. So what you're going to hear is a group of inmates sitting around talking about their attachment program. You'll hear the voices of the inmates and of Rosie Martin and her partner in life and work, Richard. And they start by talking about shark music. Yes, I'll need to tell Anna what shark music is. Very tempting to dob one of you guys in. So shark music is where, because of emotional needs that we had that weren't met when we were children whether they're to do with our response to feeling fear or shame or sadness or our inability to feel curiosity in a safe way we have issues that when something happens something that's actually a really safe situation we still perceive it because of the lens we're looking through from those issues not being met when we were kids we tend to hear shark music we hear that something bad is going to happen even when it's actually not and somebody looking from a third party perspective would say that's all right let's say somebody that's had security issues around fear from their childhood for example they don't want to let their child go out of their sight to explore the child wants to go out but the parents got to be right there with them all the time and can't let them get away because it's actually not to do with the safety of the child at that point it's actually to do with how the parent is feeling about that safety A lot of this program is about actually not looking so much at behaviour as actually looking at what the underpinning emotion is that's driving that behaviour. And one of those is to feel that something is not safe or not comfortable or not right, but it's not to do with the real situation in front of them, it's to do with stuff that happened when they were younger. So shark music is kind of like the emotional soundtrack that we may or may not be aware of that's happening in any situation. We were talking about how do we help the general public know about the challenges that exist within the prison system and for people who are caught up in the prison system. And I think you all did a really good job of explaining how that's difficult for people, you know, in the lack of opportunity that they might have had. But I remember you also particularly talking about the attitudes that they have and how to actually start that dialogue and what can be done to support the general public to think about it differently. Do you remember what you were saying about that? In order for the public's attitude and education to change when it comes to offending and reintegration, they, they need to be able to have ready access to the information within the prisons, like the recidivism rates, um, why people are reoffending, why there's no support outside these walls, how to help support them outside these walls. And from personal experience, the one thing that I hated when I was paroled was the fact that everyone that was put there to help me was put there to help me 
through a textbook. There was no lived experience. So, you know, my parole officer, I could turn around and say, this is how I feel and this is what I think I need. And she'd go, well, this is what the book says you need. And it's not constructive. I mean, without criticising the parole system, it's destructive. Everything's just automatic. There's no feeling or emotion behind their reasoning for anything. So it's very monotonous and exhausting. I think there are better people suited than what we have out there to help us reintegrate into the community and and to adjust back to a normal life. Um, I just don't think that it's being utilised the way it should be. I just want to ask, what would you like to see happen? The attitude towards drugs and that in Australia, if that changed a bit, maybe parole would be a lot easier. Someone blows a piss test, you know, and they get sent back to jail, their parole revoked or whatever. Who's that going to hurt? Someone going and getting on drugs? I mean, fair enough if they go and commit another crime while they're on drugs, but if they've just gone, had a bad day, maybe smoked a couple of bombs, relaxed, gone to sleep or whatever, woke up the next day, been piss tested, blown a piss test, who's that hurt? You know, like if the attitude towards the drug use was a little bit different, maybe things would be... You're talking about specifically marijuana? That's just an example. Mm -hmm. I mean, ice is a little bit different because people think they've got control of ice and they don't really have, you know. Even that to a degree. You know, as long as it's probably low levels. You know, if it's a one-off, you know, why punish them like, revoke all their parole, screw them right over, send them back to prison where it's overcrowded and... It's a toxic environment, prison. It's like a melting pot of stupidity. You know, it's just that toxic. You know, they just sit there talking about drugs, crime, victimising people, basically. There needs to be places where you can take kids, you know, and get them away from the computer games and things and stuck out inside all day and take them somewhere on a farm and show them, you know, fishing and bike riding and outdoor adventures and... It's free. It costs you nothing to go fishing. You know, you can go down the river and have a flip. You can go and sit around the campfire. You know, you can you just take them bushwalking. You don't see kids doing enough of it. I mean, you're hearing now and then, like, oh, they built a new bike park. And where do they put them? They put them miles up the middle of Whoopa Whoopa, where you've got no access. All the kids have got their local skate park. But what happens at the local skate parks? You've got the bullies that hang around the place. People want to get away from that sort of thing. But I wouldn't feel good about my kids hanging around at the skate park every day. My brother and my nephew, he's been hanging around them lately and he's been changing his ways and getting into trouble and getting into mischief and it's the crowd he's hanging around. Before that, we would take him away out the lakes and take him fishing and bike riding and that. And he was an excellent kid. But now he's sort of getting a bit older and wants to hang around the other crew and doesn't want to hang around Dad and his uncles and that. He's sort of, he's going downhill a little bit, but he hasn't got that guidance to it. He's just following other kids' stupid mistakes. Every kid's going to mess up. You know, that's what happens when they do mess up, whether there's someone there to support them and catch them. Or... That's where it's all gone wrong now, look. The kids, they'll be right. You know, yeah. that sort of attitude makes people end up in here. Yeah. When it comes down to it, it comes down to support on the outside and you being brought up if you had parent support, family support, friend support. It's where society's gone backwards. Yeah. A couple of thousand years ago we had little communities and we'd all bring up our kids together. Exactly. If they messed up, you know, anyone in that community would bring them into line, you know, talk to them, tell them what they're doing wrong. 
Now we haven't got that community. Now we're all separate in our little boroughs, little, little the houses. Trials, There's none of that. You know, some people are lucky and they've still got big families and that can still happen. But if you haven't got that environment, you're on your own really, aren't you? people come to jail it's probably already too late they've probably had no father figure their whole life no strong male role model by the time they come to jail like they've been looking up to their mates as a, a role model following their behavior their mates might just be joking around saying we'll go do this go do that you know that's like a pastime for them but these people kind of live that and think that's the right way to do things they end up playing up messing up coming to jail and then their role models are all older men they're all into nonsense, into bullshit. I've seen it a thousand times, I've been in here too long. A young bloke will come to jail, just fresh face, and then the next thing you know, he's got older men telling him, oh, smoke this, smoke that, do this, bash that bloke, do this, this is how you treat officers, this is how you do that. And they're mimicking all the behaviours, and they end up being idiots. And it happens all too often. What they need is somewhere, probably from 10 to 15, maybe 18, somewhere more like a, a nurturing environment where they might have life skills they can learn. Like, he, he's a woodwork class, he's a metalwork class, he's a carpentry class. You're obviously not going to pay attention in school. We'll start working into all these life skills and hopefully there's something you'll fit into. And then maybe you wouldn't need jobs. WTF 2050 is sponsored by AB Finance, an ethical mortgage broker and a one-stop solution to navigating the housing mortgage market. AB Finance are fiercely independent and can also help you with refinancing. To find out more, go to abfinance.com.au. I think a lot of people in here are essentially lost in what to do and how to do things. If you haven't got that role model, then you do. You look up to your mates, you look up to people that take over that role and you get stuck in the system. It's my belief that community education needs to become a part of the resolution. It's well and good to put us in here and say, well, they've done wrong and this is what they deserve. We understand that, we understand we've done wrong, but maybe a slight change here and there as to the way things are addressed might give us the opportunity to solve our own problems ourselves as opposed to coming to jail, tick boxes, get out. You've got nothing when you get out. You come in, you tick those boxes, that's well. You can do that in a structured environment. That all goes when you leave jail. It's all a perception of the public too. They try and make us out to be real bad people. If they didn't try and paint that bad a picture of us, maybe the public wouldn't have that big outcry, we've got to lock these people up, rah, rah, rah. Maybe if it wasn't broadcast in the media and everything about how bad things were, maybe things would be different for the simple fact that they wouldn't be saying, well, lock them up, keep them locked up. They don't even deserve TVs. They don't deserve this, they don't deserve that. Maybe the issues surrounding the reasons why people offended or whatever was brought to light rather than the actual crime was brought to light. People might feel a bit more sorry for people and go, well, that poor bloke, he, you know, whatever. There's quite a lot of research that's been done that's uncovered exactly that, that shows that when the public, when the general public actually hear the story behind what has led to a criminal act, uh, the general public will actually sentence, I mean they don't have the power to sentence, but like in a mock court situation, they would sentence more leniently than what the judge 
would usually and that they feel an enormous amount of empathy and would actually understand things differently. It's one of the reasons we think that story and telling people's stories, telling our stories, telling your stories is actually a really important contribution to help to change that public perception. You are listening to WTF 2050. What's the future? What's the future? What's the future? Based on what you've learned about shark music and that repeating cycle, how that makes you think about that situation where people are looking for connection. It gives you the insight into where they, they were and they weren't um, nurtured as a kid, really. You know, it, it tells you where they need help. Then it comes down to whether or not you can help them, I guess, or find them the help that they need. But then, you know, that, that again comes back to them as well. They need to want that help. It's not our job to help everyone. No, no. You know, we can't go out of our way. We'd have no time for ourselves if we went and tried to help every injured person. It's not our job to go around trying to right all the misdeeds of people's parenting. Mm. You know, it's just not our job. You said before that you've been trying to kind of, with the circles of security, kind of talk to your partner and gently... Yeah, nudge her into... Yeah, like how have you kind of approached that? Well, I basically use the circles to talk to her, to use the circles to talk to him. What yeah. kind of questions has she asked or things, comments has she made as you've done that? Oh, well, she started off getting a bit angry in that about it. She thought I was calling her a bad mum and everything like that. I just started by nudging her towards thinking about how he feels about things and what he's going through when she raised her voice or she's meant to be taking care of him and when he feels like he needs taken care of she yells at him how that's going to make him feel mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. yeah it makes me think you know if you guys are doing the circles here on the inside i wonder if there's a place for where the connection is right and the trust is right and you know where it might be able to be facilitated for supporting your partners or ex-partners the mothers of your children to, to do it on the outside so that they're learning the same things that you're learning here, either after or even maybe partly during the time. I don't know, it just has come to my mind. What do you think about that? If we've got the understanding, your partner's got no idea whatsoever, and we're trying to teach the kids and see the circle, and they're thinking, well, what's he doing? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it made a big difference, I think. I think it's a good idea. How are you going to do that? don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody be... Don't know. <laughs> all the time constraints and that, everything could have to match up. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, one of the things that our eventual hope is in this is that we could have a circle of security where everyone there is just mums and dads together mm-hmm. and that actually to have something where you can come along with the mums and do stuff together on the outside. I mean, our real desire is actually that people would have as many opportunities as they need to do the program in here but then actually to follow into community in terms of through care. Is this the kind of thing that you would be interested to do again on the outside when you're actually reconnected with your children in a regular way? Because at the moment, you know, we know... It's, it's a, a bit theoretical. It's a bit theoretical, it? yeah. I'd like um, Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Nice, Anna. 
It was really heartwarming and inspiring to hear how good the program's doing and the reflections of the men themselves. But Anna, I didn't go out to the jail. What was it like walking in there? It's extraordinary because when you go into the visitor centre, or the visitor centre, the visitor entrance, the prison guard that was there was so delightful. So all the families are lining up and, you know, there's kids and mums and grandmas and all that sort of stuff. And she knew the name of every single visitor, you know, and she was squatting down and connecting with the children and saying, wow, that's a new T-shirt. And (laughs) it seemed like this weird oxymoron that a prison would be this incredibly welcoming place. But that is a tone that is very much set by the head of prison Tasmania, Ian Thomas. Certainly we recognise that people that are coming in to visit the prisoners aren't in prison themselves. And often some of the... The challenges when somebody's in prison are more keenly felt by the family and relations than the person who's had their liberty taken away, you know. You can have mum who's left at home with the children and has to fend for the children, run the family home, work, etc., and visit. So we want to make the experience as enjoyable as it can be. That's the one time a week, a month, however often they visit, when they get that real intimate time together. And we want it to be a valuable experience because one of the key things is maintaining those family ties. When we spent a couple of hours with Richard and Rosie in the first series of WTF 2050, what's the future we're calling it for the second series because we want to broaden it out a bit, her thing was that she would like to see prisons that were more focused on rehabilitation Mm. than than on punitive. There's those very interesting models in Denmark that I think people are looking to and I wondered if you'd be happy to talk to me a little bit about what you're feeling about that is and... You know, in 30 years in the future, are we likely to see some change? I mean, from a personal perspective, I've long been a believer that the punishment is taking away the person's liberty. But then our role in prisons is much more than than that. It's to try and change the behaviours of that person that led to them coming to prison. We all want to live in safer communities, so what can we do within prisons to give that person as much opportunity as possible to return to the community as a law-abiding, contributing member of that community, which for all of us then who live in those communities means it's a safer community and we're much less to be a victim of crime ourselves. That's our role. There's many ways in which I think we can and we do do it, but there's always room for improvement. That's about role models, so how we behave with the prisoners and how, you know, the respect and care and support we provide for them, as well as challenging inappropriate behaviour. The opportunity we give them to address their offending behaviour and we work with them to identify the issues that led to them coming to prison and the nature of the crime, um, the attributes that have led to them committing the crime, so violence, substance-related, sexual offences, etc. One of our great sponsors is X Energy, very cool solar company based in the north of Tassie. And just as Tassie used to export raw materials to the world, we're now in the business of exporting weightless exports. We're exporting knowledge and Power to the Paddock and X Energy are at the front of that knowledge revolution. X Energy is about much more than just producing solar on your rooftops. It's about how we buy solar, how we sell solar, working out the whole mess. X Energy is the company you need to talk to. Find out more at xenergy.net.au or on Facebook at Power to the Paddock. And you've got the doggy program too. Yes, we do. The pooch, what's it called? Pops on parole. Pops on parole. Pops on parole. So that's an initiative with the dogs rescue home. It allows the prisoners, suitably selected prisoners and trained, to re-socialise the dogs. So it's, they're kind of doing the same thing with the dogs and get them ready for rehoming. 
a small number of dogs, around six at a time, come and live with the prisoners in Rombowick Minimum Security Prison. Um, one of the things we've seen here as a consequence of this, but more broadly I've seen in the States and other countries, is that for prisoners that are deeply traumatised, the ability to care for something else, be it a, you know, a cat, a dog, even in other states, you know, that it's been wildlife, it's been um, birds of prey, allows them a different focus. And sometimes that creature is in a, a worse space than them in some ways, you know, it's got physical injuries. So be able to divert their attention into that allows them to come to terms with their own circumstances and how they might better manage that. And get some unconditional love, which would be nice too. And yeah, as we all know, if you're an animal owner, it's the one thing you do get back is, yeah. you know, they don't judge you. <laughs> How do we show the public that they can be safe but also that people who have committed offences can be rehabilitated? If we can engage with these people to make them better members of our community when they return, that's the role that prisons can play to be much more than that punitive measure. And really engaging with people that can provide opportunities for prisoners to reconnect with their communities on release, you know, so that we know that a lot of our guys and women will have skills that can be put to good use. They can practice or hone or even learn those skills whilst in prison. But then how do they put those skills to use if they're not given the opportunity mm. on release? You know, we recently had the, um, the stuff we did with the Rotary Club around the Wooden Boat Festival when we three prisoners in Rombau worked on renovating the small dinghy that was named after Vanessa Goodwin, our late attorney, and auctioned at the recent Wooden Boat Festival. A couple of those guys had never worked with wood before in their lives, but they were given that opportunity by the Rotary Club in conjunction with ourselves. Now they've got some skills, they've got some life skills as well of engaging with people from the community. And that's something we hope to grow in the future. So those types of examples, you know, a small initiative with the Rotary Club or actually working with a large company within Tasmania or local government to be able to give these people opportunities to re-engage with the community, with society, I was actually in that raffle, can I say, very disappointed that I didn't get the winning ticket. It was a beautiful boat. It was. did an amazing job. Um, Vanessa Goodwin was really quite extraordinary, wasn't she? Mm. She was quite an extraordinary person and massive loss to the state. A massive loss to the state. A, a, a huge champion of prison reform and a huge champion of the role that prisons play in exactly the way from my perspective that... I've described, you know, that whilst people are sent to prison, they still have a role to play in society, they still have a contribution to make, they still have a value, and they're still a person. As I've said on a couple of occasions earlier, the taking away of the liberty is the punishment, but now how do we rehabilitate them? How do we turn them into, you know... Contributing good citizens. Exactly right, exactly right. And Vanessa was passionate about that, very passionate about it, and had some really strong and innovative ideas about how we might do those sorts of things. It was just delightful meeting Ian Thomas. What a progressive, extraordinary leader he is. And hearing him talk about Vanessa, mm. a much-loved leader in the Tasmanian community. She was Attorney General and a member of the LegCo. She was one of those very rare people who was actually loved by both sides of politics. Mm. And thank you very much to Rosie and Richard from Chatter Matters who enabled us to be in Riston. And thank you very much to the guys who sat around the table with us and shared their stories about parenting, both how they were parented and their own. That's a big thing to share stories like that. So thank you very much. 
And you've been listening to the second series of WTF 2050, proudly supported by the Australia Institute, where ideas matter. Thanks very much to our studio engineer, Michael Shelley, at The Green Room. Big shout out to our producer and music man, Fletcher Babb. Please check out our other episodes and join the conversation on our Facebook page. And you can track everything on the website, wtf2050.net.au. And you can, of course, listen to everything on iTunes and Spotify.